Well, I think first thing I need to say is um, thank you, Anchor Baptist Church, just for the opportunity to, to be here for the last six weeks and then two more weeks now. Thank you, Pastor Turner, for taking the chance on someone you hadn't met yet and uh, just having some kid from California come to Canada. So I really appreciate that. And thank you for the opportunity to preach, too. I don't want to ever take that uh, lightly. It's an honor, so thank you. Uh, I want you guys to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 23 for me, please. Psalm 23. We're going to be in Psalm 23 tonight. And then once you guys have found your spot, if you could stand just out of respect for God's word, that would be, that would be great. Thank you. All right. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalms 23 is probably one of the most well-known passages um, in the Word of God. I think it's very commonly used in many different scenarios. I remember personally for me, when my grandma was seven years old, she passed away, they asked me to read Psalm 23 at her funeral. And I remember a lot of people coming up to me and just saying that it was comforting and they really appreciated me reading it. I think at the time I didn't really understand the words as much as I uh, could have, obviously, and and still now want to study it more. But um, it's a comforting, comforting passage. But beyond just a few well-known words, uh, what does Psalms 23 have to offer us today? I think about how there's so many things we can learn and apply today just by asking a couple of questions and applying truths. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then you guys can be seated, and we'll get into this, okay? Lord, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for just the opportunity to to be here, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to open your word, Lord, and to preach, Lord. I don't feel deserving of it, Lord, but I thank you that you've allowed it, Lord, and you've given me the opportunity. I pray that these people would learn something new about your word today, Lord, that whatever truth they receive, Lord, that they wouldn't just hear it, Lord, but that they would appreciate it and that they would apply it, Lord, to their lives. Help me, Lord, with my nervousness, with not to stumble over my words or whatever, whatever that is, Lord. And so I just pray you would help me, help me to get through this and to just be a blessing to these people, Lord. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for what you've done for us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. Amen. So I have four thoughts today for you guys to ponder. And my hope is that you'll write them down and you'll take some time to meditate on Psalm 23. My prayer is that we'll see the value of each passage in the Bible, regardless of how familiar they are to us. I think sometimes familiarity causes us to not appreciate the Word of God the way we should. So we're going to dive into uh, these few verses and we're just going to get into it here. Let's go. So number one point is, is he your shepherd? Just as as soon as the, the passage starts, the Lord is my shepherd. Do you guys know Jesus? Do you know him personally? I think that's a different question from do you know of him or do you know about him? Uh, just that first week that I was here with Pastor Turner, he mentioned that Michael Blue has a house right by Costco, I think it was. And so me saying I know Michael Blue is different than me saying I know about Michael Blue A quick Google search, you could probably find out how tall he was, 
the songs he wrote, what his favorite food is. But I wouldn't go around telling people, I know Michael Blue Play. Because I don't know him, I know of him. So it's a different question to know and to, to ask yourself, do you know Jesus personally? Do you have a relationship with him? Look at Psalm 23 here again. I shall not want. How's your guys' contentment? Do you guys find yourself with a spirit of gratitude for all the blessings that we have here in Canada? In the U.S., we have so many blessings there. Sometimes we don't even realize that we become covetous of the things that other people have. And maybe we don't verbalize it, but in our heart, we think about, man, that'd be a nice house to have, or that'd be a nice car to have. And we kind of forget how blessed we are. We look at the world sometimes in Canada, and just like in the U.S., I know Canada is just it's getting kind of it's worse and worse and worse, and there's just craziness happening all over the place. And we see that people have cars, and they have homes and toys to spare. In the U.S., we call it the American dream. That's what everybody wants is the American dream. But I think it's important to understand something. The riches of this world will fade away very, very soon. And all that's going to matter is what's done for Christ in eternity. Do you find yourself envious of the wicked and their lavish lifestyle? Or are you spending your time storing up your treasures in heaven? What are you guys spending your time investing in? Turn over to Psalm chapter 73. It's a bit of a long uh, passage of verses, but I'm going to go ahead and read it in a second here. I think it perfectly encapsulates what what I'm talking about here. So we're going to take a time. It's a Psalm of Asaph, and he's talking about the wicked and the prosperity of the wicked. So we're just going to take time really quick here to read this. It says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. Yet they have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither. And waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou cast them into destruction. How were they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors, as a dream when one watcheth. So, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I, and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden my right hand, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and after receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? There is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. 
I have put my trust in the Lord, that I might declare all thy works. It's important to understand that while the world may seem like they're prospering, while the world may seem like they're enjoying life, that they don't care about things, they talk about how they hate God, they talk about how none of this matters. I see so much stuff online about how uh, the, God is fake and Christianity is fake and it's a destructive religion. All these things. We see all these things online and, and through people and we forget that these people are hurting and they're dying and they're on the way to hell. And sometimes we become um, indignant and, and almost prideful towards them like, look at these wicked people doing these things. You know, let them go. And, and that's not the, the heart to have, guys. We have to remember that these people have souls just like us. And if they could just see, taste and see that the Lord is good, that they would change. Their heart would be completely changed and they would be so different because God makes all things new. And so remember that. True contentment does not come from the acquisition of great earthly possession, but in sacrificing one's one's desires, dreams, and hopes in order to better serve the Lord and those around them. My second point is, is he leading you? If you're being led by the Spirit, you will be led to live a life that is separated from this world. God will never lead you in a way that goes contrary to, what, to the word that he's already given us. Go ahead and turn to Romans 12 for me, guys. Let me get a chance here. Give me a second. Okay. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Think about all the things that Christ has done for us in, in living on this world and taking the time to, to understand what humans go through. The Bible talks about how God went through everything. He was tempted, like in all points as we. And he went through it all. He understands exactly what you're going through. And yet he died for you. And then he rose again so that he could live with you again. It's only after all that that he now says, I want you to live for me. And so I think it's quite reasonable, like it says in the word right here, which is your reasonable service, to not be conformed to the world, to not be concerned with acquisition of goods, to be concerned with all these other things, but that you would live your life serving him, that you would live your life sacrificing for him. And then also living for others as well. To serve them, to help them to get to that point of maturity as well. Guys, don't be ashamed to share the gospel with people. I remember when I was younger, and even now, I mean, I don't want to act like I, like I don't get scared anymore going, going on soul winning. But I think, uh, especially when I was younger, um, there's always a fear, even now too, of um, just rejection. I think that's a big thing is people fear rejection. They fear that they're just going to get rejected, or they fear that there's going to get someone that's going to be really mean and rude and slams it on their face. But I think something that I, that I think of that really helps me, um, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the gospel. And so don't take it personally like it's an attack on you. But also, don't forget that it's good news, guys. Just because someone doesn't want it doesn't change the content of the news. Amen. It's good. good. Regardless of if they accept it or not, good. just brush it off. I remember Brother Kevin and I were out last, this last Saturday, and Brother Kevin gave a track to someone, and he took about three steps, and he looks at it for about four seconds, and then just tosses it up in the air, and then keeps walking. And so I just went over and picked it up, and then we, we kept walking. But we were kind of laughing about it because... It was, like, it was like a trash can like three feet away. He could have thrown it there. He could do whatever he wanted with it, but I just thought it was funny that he just tossed it up in the air, did not want to deal with it. But, um, but don't, don't let the rejection of the world or people who are mean, don't let that be something that discourages you from sharing something because it's good news. And it doesn't change. 
It doesn't change whether or not people accept it. And so you need to just share that it's good news. Also, it's a powerful message. Guys, Christ died for this message. He died so that we could live, so that when we go forward and share the gospel, we do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the, most utter part, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. I think about Elijah when he was standing against all those prophets of Baal. We talked about that on this last Sunday. You know, it seems in the moment everybody was afraid to stand with Elijah because he's alone. But in reality, Elijah was the most protected one there because he had God. So with God, nothing can go against you. Nothing can stand against the God's word and nothing can stand against him. So don't feel like you're alone. There's a power in the gospel. And the power is the Holy Spirit and it's the blood of Christ. So don't ever feel like you need to be ashamed of the good message or that you have to be scared because you have power. My third point is, are you walking with him? When life becomes overwhelming, it is often a natural reaction of ours to turn to everything else around us, but to the one who we should turn to, and that person is God. It's natural to become secluded. It's natural to become reclusive. It's natural to go around and tell everyone about our problems when really the only one we need to turn to is Jesus. Let's look at the passage there. Uh, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, guys, God never really promised us that you know, life would just magically work out. I think sometimes a common misconception is Okay, I got saved, and now I'm cruising through life. It's easy now. Um, but that, that was, that's not in the Bible. It was never promised that that's how life would go. Uh, the Bible actually says in John 16, 33, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. So God tells us right there, in the world ye shall have tribulation. But I'm so thankful that the verse doesn't end there, because he says, But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So don't forget that, guys. Don't, don't expect life to be easy because God never promised life to be easy. I think it's, I think it's a, a misunderstanding of, of our own part to think that life is easy now that I'm a Christian. Life is harder probably, but it's easier because we have, we're not uh, yoked with, some, with something other than God. God is our yoke, and he's the one that's carrying that burden. And so we have a burden bearer. Psalm 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. There's a difference between a flashlight and a lamp. There's a big difference. I think sometimes when I was younger, and even, you know, you think about it now, I think people kind of picture a flashlight, you know. Um, but a lamp is very different. A lamp will only let you see, like, maybe five feet in front of you. So you've got just a little bit here, just one step here. Uh, I think if, if God let us see down to the end, the future of what we were going we to do and, and, and everything that was going to happen, I think it would be really overwhelming. Uh, I think if God showed me that I'd be up here <laughs> six weeks ago, I'd be really overwhelmed. Um, and so the la it's a lamp, guys. It's, it's one step at a, at a time, one, one step, one day at a time. I remember my pastor, uh, Pastor Tim, he, he said to me, I, I was finally getting back into college, and he called me into his office. I was going to West Coast. I didn't do too well my first two years of college. And he basically said, uh, asked me how I feel. 
and I was overwhelmed, like majorly overwhelmed. I was like, I'm, I feel like I'm going to fail again. And he just said, Jonah, how are you going to finish college? And I said, I don't know. Like, I have no idea. And he said, well, how do you eat an elephant? And I was like, what? Like, I didn't even know where he was going with this. And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, one bite at a time. And I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor. Like, it made me laugh, and it was good. Um, but it really, that meant a lot to me. He's right. It's one bite at a time. It's one day at a time. It's a lamp. Your word of God is a lamp. It's one step at a time. <clears throat> a flashlight allows you to see many feet in front of you so that you're able to see a path far in advance. However, a lamp only allows you to see just a few feet in front of you. And in the same way, God often illuminates just enough for us to take the next step in our lives. So growing up, I would go camping a lot. I still go camping a lot. We're going to, um, I think we're going to go to Carlsbad. And I think it's in New Mexico or Nevada when I get back in about a week. Or in about a week from when I get back. But I wonder, does anyone else here go camping a lot? Do you guys go camping? I don't know if I raise your hand. Does anyone? You guys, some, some of you guys go camping. Okay, some of you guys go camping. Some of you guys don't. That's okay. Um, but one of my favorite places to go is a place called Yosemite National Park. Has anybody here been to Yosemite National Park? Or is it just me? Have you guys been to Yosemite? Okay. It's one of the coolest places on the planet. Um, love it, Yosemite National Park. It's about eight hours north of Los Angeles, California, where I live. And I haven't been there in like seven years. So I'm thinking it's time to go back pretty soon. Uh, but we would go up there once a year with my family. And growing up, I have many, many memories of how beautiful God's creation is. And just the stars at night and everything. It's just it's really great. But like I said, it's a valley, actually. It has a gentle curve. It's about seven miles long. And it's between half a mile and a mile deep. There are a number of attractions, such as sheer rock walls, that rise 3,000 to 4,000 feet above the valley. Uh, it's called Yosemite Falls. And that's, there it is, Yosemite Falls. And that's the valley. Right now, actually, uh, in California, because of all the rain we got this last year, it's like flooding like this, where normally all this water isn't necessarily here, but like the whole, all the plains are flooded. And so you see these crazy reflections of the, of the, um, the falls and just incredible amounts of water that hasn't been there for 10 years. And so it's, it's really incredible right now. But I remember as a kid, sometimes your parents say, all right, go to the restroom because I'm not going to get up for you when you need to go in the middle of the night. And you know, as a kid, you don't listen. And I remember there was a couple of times where I would tell my dad, like, Dad, I, I got to go to the bathroom. You know, it's like 3 in the morning. It's the middle of the night. And my dad's like, all right, here's a flashlight. You didn't go to the bathroom, so go walk on your own to the flashlight. You know, it's only 50 feet, right? It's not like I'm going a mile away. But he's saying, you know, but I'm a six-year-old kid, so it feels like a mile. And uh, I remember those times he'd be like, okay, go. Like, take a flashlight, go. I was, I'd be so scared out there in the middle of nowhere. I think you can see, I think there's a picture of, of, of Yosemite Valley at night. If you can go to the next one, Brother Kevin. That's Yosemite Valley at night. Um, but it would be so dark, so dark. You're trying to go to the bathroom. Um, and I would be so scared. But there was also a few times when my dad said, oh, like, fine, I'll get up, I'll walk with you, let's go. And I remember there's a difference. There's a difference between when your dad, who's like your superhero, goes to the restroom with you, and there's a difference when you do it alone. Your dad, when my dad was with me, I, not a care in the world. If there's a bear coming, my dad's going to beat up the bear, right? No problem, right? But when I'm not, you know, it was, it was, a, lot, it was a lot more scary. And in the same way, when you're going through valleys of life, <clears throat> it's way scary to do it without God. It's incredibly scary to do it without God. Uh, I have an illustration here. Uh, 
Brother Kim, if you could, actually, I don't even have my Bible, but that's okay. Brother Kim, if you could um, turn off the lights really quick. So we're going to pretend. <laughs> Should have brought my Bible up here. With me. But we're going to pretend my iPad really quick here is the Word of God. And so we got the lights off here. I'll turn off these ones if you want. I think it's, I think Brother Kim might have it. So a lot of times we get to these valleys and it's really dark. And we have all these issues and it's dark and we can't see anything. And we say, God, where are you? What's going on? Why can't I figure out what the problem is? I can't see anything. And the Word of God's right here, but we got it closed, right? And we're, we're asking God, like, what, what, where's my guidance? Where's the leadership? Where, why don't I feel protected? And then you have to open it up. And you realize that this is your light. Here's your lamp. And God's saying, I'm here. You have me with you, but you've got the, you've got the book closed. And I can't help you if you've got the book closed. And so I want you guys to understand, going through the valley, when you're going through hard times and you're going through troubling times and issues and, and life is just hitting you and hitting you and beating you down, you just got to open the book. Amen. You got to open it up and let the light shine around you. And just like how when I was scared going alone, but then I had the light with me, my dad or, or your father, it's not scary anymore because you have your father right here. And so don't forget, in the valley, open up the book. Let the light shine, and it's going to illuminate the path, and you'll be able to see without stumbling. You'll be able to see without being afraid. In those, way, in those times when you're afraid, those times when you feel overwhelmed, it's pretty incredible. I'm looking at this picture right now. So you guys can turn on the lights again, actually, if you guys are good. You guys can turn on the lights again. I'm looking at this picture now, and if you see these, I was thinking about this too. This photo is a long exposure for photography. Getting a little bit of photography knowledge in here really quick. So basically this photo was taken over probably about 15, 20 minutes. The shutter stays open and lets all the light in. And that causes you to be able to see the stars. Otherwise it wouldn't be this bright, right? It'd be very dark. But if you see here, these are um, rock climbers, I believe. Those are rock climbers that are, that are uh, they climb El Capitan, which is the tallest cliff face in North America. It's like, it's thousands of feet tall, granite cliff face. But some of these people, some of these people climb up this thing for three days and they camp like up on the cliff face. But it's incredible how this light is probably not that bright. It's probably not that bright. But even with the little light that there is, it can't get consumed by the darkness. And so what little light we have, even if we feel like, man, it's so dark, I can't see anything, nothing can consume the light of the Lord. Right? It talks about in the Bible how the gates of hell will not prevail against God. And so you cannot be afraid. You shouldn't be afraid. If you're walking with the Lord and you're, and you're reading your Bible, His light is more powerful than anything that we could come across, than anything we might have problems with. And so don't forget, you have to open your word, the word of God. You have to be focused on the light. Focus single-mindedly single, single on the purpose of your life. And that purpose is to serve God and to love others. So don't forget that. Open your book. When you're in darkness, when you're in the valley, that's what you need to do. You need to turn to God. I think sometimes we get so overwhelmed with what's going to happen tomorrow. We get so um, afraid, so worried about how am I going to provide for my family tomorrow? How am I going to get college paid off for me, how am I going to pass these classes, whatever it is, you get, we get overwhelmed. 
I want to read Matthew 6, 25-34. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought of your life, what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. It is not, li- is not life more than meat and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they, know, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, could add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith, therefore take no Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of, for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof." So I'm really trying to get you guys to understand that when life is overwhelming, we try to think five years ahead, 10 years ahead, um, 15 years ahead, and really God is really just trying to say, let's just stick to today, let's worry about today, let's walk with the Lord today, and let me worry about tomorrow, because today has its own problems, and tomorrow can figure it out, figure it out on its own, and as the evil isn't sufficient thereof for the day. So focus on today. You don't have to be focused on how every little minute detail of your life is going to work out. And the reason why you don't want to do that is because you have no control over tomorrow. We have no control over tomorrow. And the reality is, we may not even be here tomorrow. Right? We can go to heaven tonight. I hope everyone here, like I said, you know the shepherd. But why are you worried about tomorrow when we could be in heaven tomorrow? There's no point in worrying about tomorrow. God says, worry about today. And think about today. And follow me today and seek me first today. And I will worry about tomorrow because I'm in control of tomorrow. So let God be in control of tomorrow. We know that God takes care of the birds, the grass, the flowers. It's reasonable to say that if he cares for the plants and the animals, that he cares for us a great deal more. Think about what he said, what, that, what, that, what, what, what it said. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one more cubit to his stature? I think it's a funny question. He's really saying, like, it's very, 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 uh, just like on the nose, very obvious, like, you can't control it, so stop worrying about it. God is asking why we spend so much time thinking and worrying about those things that are outside the realm of our control. Worrying about things that we cannot control does nothing but add stress and fear into our lives. And we know that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. This is a quote from Pastor Chapel. He wrote this in the book, The Burden Bearer. And I don't know if you guys know the story of The Burden Bearer, but he wrote that book I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe he wrote it around the time also that his son was going through um, chemotherapy with cancer and with all these things going on in his life, and he just, he wrote this book. And he writes, your hope is not found in a new set of goals or in trying harder. Your hope is found in comprehending the work of the cross and living in the vital awareness of God's limitless grace. It's a pretty powerful quote. But our hope is not found in doing more things either, guys. Sometimes we want to, instead of, instead of um, 
the alternative to us, like, okay, I'm thinking about too many things in the future, so let me just make myself busy. Let me just do a lot of things so that I don't have to think about the future. And that's not the solution either because you burn out doing that. You burn out because you, you're trying to be so involved in so many different activities when God's saying, be still, seek me first, and don't worry about tomorrow, but just seek me first, serve me today, worry about today, think about today, and then I'll take care of tomorrow. So busyness is not the answer and worrying is not the answer. The answer is to open God's word and to seek him and to be still and to focus on serving him. My last point is, are goodness and mercy following you? As we walk through the valley and also on the mountaintops, it's always good and important to look back and to remember all the good and mighty things that God has done for us. I wrote down a little bit of my personal testimony here, and I'm going to read it because I feel like I'd go off tangent if I just started talking about myself. So we're going to read it here. Um, I think too often we look back and all we can see is the negative. We're hyper-focused on what could have been better because to us, we miss all of the mercy and all of the goodness that God has given to us over the years. I grew up in a Christian home, and I went to a private Christian school uh, at the age of four. I grew I just from preschool all the way through high school. At the age of seven, I got saved. And I think basically, you know, for the most part, I lived just like the normal high school Christian kid life. Right? I didn't get into a lot of trouble or anything, didn't get into all these problems with people. But I just, I just grew up, I graduated, it was a lot of fun, I have really good memories from high school. After high school, I really fell into a state of silent rebellion towards my church, towards God. And as a result of that, I also fell into depression. It was really hard. I had um, a few times had panic attacks, really struggled, really struggling with a lot of the lies that the devil was feeding me. And also with the lies that my heart was feeding me because your heart is deceitfully wicked. And we talked to the teens about that on, on Sunday. I stopped reading my Bible and no longer had a desire to go the way that God was calling me towards ministry. And through several different circumstances, the Lord began to work in my heart and soften me towards his word again. And I remember, I remember very clearly for the first time in years, I opened my Bible. And I basically told God, I said, God, if you don't speak to me right now, I am putting the Bible away and I'm done. Like, I don't want anything to do with you anymore, so you better speak to me now. And I opened it. And it was Psalm 73. We read it just at the beginning of it. It's actually my, my, basically like, the verses that are my life verses are 25 and 26. But the chapter is really, it's very meaningful to me. And I realized reading that, that I was the one that was being wicked. Saying, pretending to the world, saying, oh, I'm good, I'm good. I, I, I try to tell and, and make it seem to the church and to everybody that I was fine and everything was good. When in reality, I was falling apart. Right? I was blind and lost and scared not knowing what the future of my life held. And uh, it's so funny because I remember I wanted to join the army. That was like my, that was my, <laughs> that was my choice, right? Okay, I can't get out of bed for classes, but I'm going to join the army because that's, that's a good decision. And, um, and so I remember, and my friend John, he's, he, uh, he teases me still even now with that. He helped me get to West Coast. He encouraged me a lot. But we still joke about that now. But to think that a person can go from a valley like that, scared, depressed, afraid, no motivation, and then get to the point where, by the grace of God, I'll be graduating college next semester. And then also with the Bible degree, <laughs> which is ridiculous too, um, I look back and I see goodness and mercy. And while we may all look back and know that there are hard times, I, I don't, I'm not saying that you guys have to deny that there are hard times. I think everyone you know, understands there's hard times that happen. I think that if you choose to hold on and to continue moving forward and to beg God for wisdom, for strength, to get through, 
I think we'll look back and we'll see the goodness of God. We'll look back and we'll see, okay, like I understand what you're doing now, God. Maybe not fully. There's things that we'll never understand. But um, you look back and you see, no, there was mercy. There was goodness. It was a dark valley, but there was mercy and there was goodness. And so I challenge you guys to let him be your shepherd. Let him lead you. Psalm 23 is all about being led. And it starts off being led, and then he talks about being presently walking with God. And then it's funny because he, he kind of flips it. Sometimes we, we think backwards, forwards, but he think he was forward, backwards in this, in this passage. And so he ends it with looking back and seeing uh, surely goodness and mercy. Uh, Brother Kevin, if you could go back to that last, that last uh, picture again. So if you see these... Um, you see this valley. Obviously, I explained to you guys how this is not actually what the valley looks like for the human eye. It's very dark. But, um, but look at how beautiful it is, right? When we get into the valley and we look back, I think we should see this picture more. In the present, we see the darkness and we see all the craziness and all of the hard times. But this is the goodness and the mercy that you see here. It's beautiful. It's dark, right? but there's so much light and there's so many good moments and there's so much mercy here. And you look at how, God, how good God is and to the human eye, you can't see this, but God is saying, look at this, look at all the stars, look what I'm doing for you that you can't see. Look at, look at, look at the, all the trees and the water. Look at the snow back here. All the little sprinklings of goodness and mercy that are in our life, that if you're following God and you're walking with God and you're letting him lead you in your life, you'll stand here at the end of your life or even now and you can look back and say, yeah, that was, that's a masterpiece right there what God's doing is a masterpiece. Because I couldn't understand it, and I couldn't get through this on my own, but God was in the workings the whole time, and we just couldn't see it. And so I want you guys to remember that. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Romans 8, 28 through 39. If you guys want to, want to turn there, because it's a long passage, if you guys want to... <laughs> And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, he also called, and whom he called, he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, and also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as for sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from, God, from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. God is so good, guys. 
He's incredibly, he's a, he's a good God. And I think we sometimes lose that in the day-to-day life when we lose that. And we, we forget to appreciate passages like Psalm 23, which, I don't know, I like to think that David was just sitting in a pasture watching his sheep when he, when he wrote that and thought about how great his God was. It's important to take time to slow down, to look at those passages that, that seem familiar to us, that seem like they're just like very, very average, everyday, everyday passages. But there's a lot of truth and power in them if we take the time to really look at them. And so I'm going to pray.